This is the WTF Bach Podcast. This is the podcast about all things Johann Sebastian Bach. Brought to you by Evan Shinners. WTF Bach. Brought to you by Evan Shinners. Join WTF Bach as he guides your mind through a contrapuntal journey. And now, here's WTF Bach. Hello, everybody. WTF Bach here, also known as Evan Shinners, also known as your guide through this contrapuntal masterpiece known as the Art of Fugue. The goal of this podcast is to get you to hear Bach the way I hear Bach, to steer your ears, steer your mind to certain features of an otherwise very complicated music. I hope, therefore, that this breaking down, this dissection, will then lead you to a deeper appreciation of Bach's beautiful music. So a couple of quotes for you here. Brian Wilson. Beach Boys' Brian Wilson said, I have to tell you that J.S. Bach was easily the greatest musical innovator in the history of the world. 20th century composer Maurizio Kagel said, Not all musicians believe in God, but they all believe in Johann Sebastian Bach. Hello, and welcome to the WTF Bach Podcast. Right, so we have embarked so far in this podcast, halfway through one of the most mysterious musical landscapes ever created. This is the art of fugue. And if you go back and listen to the episodes in order, you will see how Bach has taken one idea, developed a fugue from it, and slowly, fugue by fugue, with the same idea, taken the listener into unfathomably deep waters filled with all sorts of amazing structures that lay hidden to the well, let's say the naked ear. It sounds like wonderful music to this naked ear, but when diving deeper into it, you begin to see this structure, this careful calculation, and this endlessly rich world that once you hear it, you can never unhear it. And it's from there that I think this music can really have a profound effect in general about the way that you think about music or the way that you think about the organization of sound. This episode will cover the eighth fugue, and so far all of Bach's fugues until this point have had four voices, four independently moving lines. We have seen that the first four fugues could be grouped together, and fugues five, six, seven also grouped together. So now, halfway, he's going to start another group of fugues. But what is this group going to be? What's going to be the theme of this group, of this chapter, we could say? And how is it going to pack in even more imagination based on this one single musical idea that sprouted the art of fugue? Let's find out. As I said, fugues one through seven have had four voices, four independent parts, and now fugue eight has three. Okay, so why would Bach do this? The fugues are generally getting more complicated as we're going, so how is going from four voices to three voices going to achieve this? Well, let's listen in. We recall that so far the fugues have been based on this little subject here. That's me, again, playing on this little Bluetooth MIDI keyboard in my hotel room here. But that's how all of the fugues start, or they start with the inversion this. But now when we get to the eighth fugue, we see this. Okay, so what is that all about? Is that somehow a version of this Art of Fugue theme just fleshed out into an interesting way? Hmm. Well, we, the scrutinizers of Bach's work, want to figure out if this is somehow based on the Art of Fugue subject. We've seen him, he's stretched out the subject before he's done this. And we've seen him sort of step in and out of the intervals like this. So we want to figure out if this, with the eighth fugue, 
is somehow a drawn-out version of our Art of Fugue theme. But, you know, no matter how we look at it, we really can't help but feel that this is a completely new subject never encountered to this point in the Art of Fugue. So let's say that you're the first person, you're the first person in history after Bach looking at this work. You may, at this point, be led to the conclusion that the Art of Fugue is about more than one subject. You may think that at this point he's now going to take this very subject and subject this subject, mind the word play, to the same treatment of the subject in Fugues 1 through 7. So let's hear this. That's all in three voices, but this theme does seem a little more complicated than the one that we've all memorized by now. So maybe that's why he's reduced it to three, because this this uh, snaking theme, we could call it, is maybe more complicated. Okay, so what we heard here was a cadence at bar 39. And this happens immediately after. Okay, so we've got our theme up top here. We have this sort of bouncing line in the middle. Together. We, the first people in history looking at this work after Bach, are asking ourselves, will that line reappear? And if it does, will this become a counter-subject? Will it make it a theme of its own and therefore make this a double theme? Well, let's find out. Entrance of our first theme in the top, with the new bouncing theme in the middle. Here comes the bottom voice. Now, here we have the bouncing voice in the top. While the original subject was in the bass. So those two voices, the bouncing voice in the top and the original subject in the bass, sounded like this. Okay, so that bouncing voice is reoccurring with every entrance of the theme. Let's go on. And that's right, we're hearing that bouncing theme in the bass here. while the original theme was in the middle voice here. 
right now, if things continue this way, it's looking pretty much like this is going to be a double fugue. That means that from now on, every entrance of one theme will contain the entrance of the other theme. What we've just seen right there is sort of a second exposition of this new this new bouncing theme. Let's call it the bouncing theme. And we've seen it now exposed in the alto. Or we could call it the middle voice in this fugue. And the top voice. And the bottom voice. So since it came in all three voices, one after the other, we could think of that as the exposition of the second theme. And that is really what makes this theme different from, say, a counter subject. At this point, though, in history, these terms are a little iffy, especially since Bach was most likely unaware of these terms, counter subject, second subject, exposition. Most of these terms in fugal analysis, or for that matter, even structural or harmonic analysis, were invented after Bach. As of now, I'd say that since the first 39 bars of music didn't contain any fragment of this new repeated note theme, this bouncing theme, it's a pretty good guess that it's a double fugue at this point. If you, for example, look at the episode about the third fugue in the Art of Fugue, you'll notice how right away, with the entrance of the second voice right at the beginning of the opening, there's a counter subject immediately present. But here in this eighth fugue, we've seen in the exposition of this theme, and a cadence, you know, at bar 39 here. And suddenly the voice is being re-exposed, sort of. So from this point on, in order for this to be a double fugue, we have to, like I say, be sure that every entrance of one subject contains the entrance of the other subject. So let's listen from our cadence here. At bar 39 with the new theme being introduced. Until something else happens. Okay. Okay, that was bars 39 through 93, and yes, there was no entrance of one subject without the other subject, its partner. It's clearly a double fugue. So let's go on.
So that was bar 93 through bar 124. And did anyone else notice anything? Well, it sounded nice, but I didn't really hear this theme. Or this theme. At all. Sort of toward the end, I heard this big uh, spiral of both the beginning of these themes. So if the original theme is this. Then we sort of need that. Let's call it the tail in order to give shape to that theme. But I just hear. So it's not really the entire thing, it's just the head. And also in the top voice, which is this bouncing theme. See, the original bouncing theme was this. So we need that, again, that tail. So Bach isn't really giving us the entrance of either subject here. We've got sort of double length heads, really long heads, but no tails. And since the tail is what defines it, well, that's very strange. Okay. So what that means is that bars 93 through 124 did not contain a single entrance of either subject. But where I stopped was bar 124, and immediately we hear this. voice there we heard. Aha, our theme is back and it came back with the top voice singing the bouncy theme. Okay, so it seems like Bach gave us a break from double fugue world for a second, but now we're quite back in it and continuing on. So that was in the bass. And in the middle, our bouncy theme. Going on now. That was all a big episode, but now I hear in the top voice. That's the initial theme, and I hear in the middle voice the bouncing theme. And it sounds like this. This is bar 147. Okay, and going on from there, this is bar 152. Now I'm sort of noticing something. Those last two entrances were very similar. In fact, there was this third voice in there, which seemed to repeat 
both times. And in the top voice on the second time it sounded like this. seem to remember this somewhere. Okay, now we're looking at this work for the first time in history and we go, yeah, that, that does look familiar, but where was that? So we go back to, remember where I said that there was no subject between bars 93 and 124? There was just mysterious music with no entrance of the subject? Well, how about this? Let's go back to bar 93. That was the mysterious subject floating around there in the middle. And then we hear it again after that entrance, we sort of hear it creeping up in the bass following. Do you hear it there? So we had it first in the middle and then in the bass, and now I guess if we hear it in the top, that could mean that this is a third exposition of yet a third theme, especially since it's getting recycled later on. Let's go on and see. Sure enough, in the top. There it is in the top. So now that we know this, now that we know that actually between that strange part where there were no entrances of the first two themes, there was this mysterious third voice being exposed here in yet what seems like another exposition. So does that mean that if it comes back with the initial two subjects, it makes it a triple fugue? Well, yes, of course, that's what's going on here. This is a triple fugue, and now we find ourselves in the midst of it, back at bar 147, when finally all three are combined. So we have up top. That's our initial theme. And we have in the middle. That's the bouncy theme. And we have in the bottom. And here's what that all sounds like together. Okay, now he's going to juggle. So that was one, two, and three. That was theme one on top, theme two in the middle, theme three on the bottom. So that's from top to bottom, one, two, three. And now he's gonna juggle a little bit. He's gonna do three, one, two. So if you could sort of imagine what that sounds like, this theme, the last theme we heard, is gonna come on top. And the bouncy theme is gonna be in the bottom. And our initial theme is going to be right there in the middle. And this all sounds like this. Now 
I was going to do some more juggling because now every time one of the themes occurs, the other two have to occur simultaneously. That's the definition of a triple fugue. It's like you have three colors that you're juggling. And if you're going to throw up the blue ball, then you're going to throw up the red ball and the yellow ball at the same time. So we've got that. Okay, but let's pause right here because I have to admit that I haven't fully been honest with you, the listener, because I know something about this third theme and I haven't yet told you about it. And that's really the big reveal of this fugue here. I'm sure some of you have guessed it, but this third theme, the first time we hear it in the middle, it sounds like this. Does that sound familiar to you? Well. How about if I play the initial Artifugue theme, the one that we all have memorized? Right, so if I told you, of course, that the third subject of this eighth contrapuntus, of this eighth fugue, is actually that same thing. Well, you say, no, of course, uh, it's not the same thing. This one sounds like this. And the one that you just played sounds like this. Okay, but what about those inverted fugue subjects, the subject of, say, fugue four, which is just that initial theme inverted? Well, now it's starting to sound a little bit more like this third subject of this eighth fugue. Okay, now I'm going to play for you the third subject from this eighth counterpoint in your right speaker while playing the normal inverted artifugue subject in your left speaker. They're the same. One is just sort of delayed by one note. In fact, if I were to play that third subject sort of like this, sounds very similar because in fact this is the same. This is the art of fugue theme and that's the big reveal that in this eighth counterpoint, in this triple fugue, the third subject of the three voice triple fugue is actually our normal art of fugue theme in disguise and somehow Bach has gone and penned a double fugue before it and then he exposes this third theme separately on its own and then he starts juggling all three. He's penned a triple fugue here and he's waited to the third subject before he tells you that no, this eighth counterpoint is not going to be about this subject. Or this subject. It's still about this music, right from the beginning. And that's the point, that this theme, now, after seeing it in seven fugues, inverted, turned upside down, stretched out, squeezed tightly, strettoed, now we're seeing it functioning as one of many subjects in a compound fugue. And this is the eighth fugue here, the triple fugue, the first triple fugue in the art of fugue. This other thing that I wanted to tell you, this section here where we didn't hear any of the initial two subjects coming in, where I said he was giving you double head and no tail, we had this.
and we had in the middle voice. So together we had. That is the golden section of this fugue. That is Bach hinting at the return of the first two subjects in the golden section of the fugue after exposing this third subject. He hints at the return of the two initial subjects. We're returning now to the end of this fugue where all three subjects are now beginning to be juggled and coming all at the same time, a true triple fugue. And the last two instances of that will show all three themes going from bottom to top and top to bottom. And here's what I mean. In bar 171, we have number three, the third theme we heard on the top. We have number two in the middle. We have number one on the bottom. So that's from top to bottom, three to one. Here we have from top to bottom, one, two, three. That means that our first theme is going to be up on top. The bouncy theme is still going to be in the middle. And of course, the Art of Fugue theme in disguise in the bass. And with that, those two ultimate entrances coming from top to bottom, three, two, one, and one, two, three, he ends this fugue. I'm just kidding, he ends it on a Picardy third, of course. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been pretty pleased with how my little Bluetooth MIDI keyboard is handling the task of playing one of the very complicated contrapuntists from the art of fugue. However, I am going to let you hear an acoustic instrument after this. But if we could just zoom out for one second and just see all of this music written on a line, like from point A to point B, that's the beginning of the piece to the end of the piece, we could see falling on this line four very distinct marks. And these distinct marks are sort of exactly where everything is happening. Okay, so the first thing that happens in this fugue is that this voice, or rather this theme, gets exposed. And then there's a cadence. And then this theme gets exposed. And then there's another cadence. And then we have the third theme becoming exposed. And then we finally have the combination of all three. Now, again, looking at that line, if we were to figure out exactly where those things happened, we would see them happening almost 
and I say almost because this isn't math, but almost mathematically on 25%, 50%, and 75%. It's as if Bach looked at this in his head and he said, there are these things that need to happen and they need to happen sort of where I would divide a line into equal quarters. So this cadence here, before the entrance of the second theme, is at 21%. Well, I know you're not saying, okay, 21%, it's not so great, it's no 25%, and I will grant it is no 25%. That is the least mathematically accurate of all of them, because then when the third theme comes in, that's at 49.9% of the way through the music. That's, you know, pretty startling mathematical accuracy, especially for a guy who's composing music and is letting, obviously, the line and the schwung of the feel of this music guide where he puts things and not his calculator. And then we'll see where he combines all three voices at bar 147, that's exactly 78%. So that's, again, a little off, but still, it's not math, it's music. And just one other thing, which is sort of an interesting thought, that before he combines all three subjects, he recombines the first two subjects after introducing this one. That was after I said that there was the double head and no tail over the golden section, over also this deep pedal point here. And when he combines those first two subjects again, that is exactly, get ready for it, 65.9%. Okay, so that's like 66%. That's two-thirds. So you could say that Bach is thinking about dividing the large sections into quarters, but that section there, he's thinking about possibly dividing it into thirds. He's also thinking about the golden section somewhere. He's probably led by intuition. But this, if we were to look at this on this line again, this is a pretty startling thing that we have here, that all the major instances, all of the major compositional structure of this fugue is divided pretty neatly into quarters. So that is really the construction of this eighth fugue here. We have a triple fugue. We have it laid out very slowly. And finally, he tells us that it's still about this main art of fugue subject. And since it is a triple fugue, since it is a fugue with more than one subject, we call it a compound fugue. And that is what indeed this chapter of fugues is going to be all about. That is what fugue 8, 9, 10, and 11 is going to be about. Compound fugues. Now, this fugue, this very fugue, and these subjects... And this one. And obviously this one are going to come back, and they're going to come back in a very big way. So you've got to keep this in mind, and even if you don't keep it in mind, I'm going to remind you later in a future episode, and it will blow you away. So now here is the eighth contrapuntus. I'm going to play it for you twice, and I will speak over the recording once, and then I will simply play it for you again without me speaking over it. Enjoy. second voice in the bass. Completely new theme. We have not yet heard it in the Art of Fugue. And the top. Now that is the end of the exposition. All three voices have come in with this new theme. We're in the 
midst of an episode. And now there's it again in the middle voice. Another episode. Part 39, new structure, second theme in the middle. With the original theme up top, double fugue. First theme in the bass, bouncy theme up top. There's our first theme in the middle, with the bouncy theme in the bottom. That's the third entrance of our second theme. There's sort of the end of the second theme's exposition. So beautiful, this music. There, in the top two voices, the two themes. In the bass, First theme, up top, the second theme. halfway. And now, the third theme. In the middle voice. This is the art of fugue theme in disguise. There it is in the bass. This is my favorite part in the whole fugue right here. This. Oh, psychotically beautiful music. We have to listen to that again. Sorry, that part gets me every time. I remember the first time I was reading it with a friend and that part happened and we both just looked at each other like, wow, what is that? This note all the way at the top of the box keyboard. Wow, and then the theme in the top. The Art of Fugue theme in the top. in the golden section with the bass and the double head. Golden section, baby. We're all wondering where those first two themes went. Well, here they're coming back now. Bottom two voices. Excuse me, the middle voice and the top voice. Bass, 
frequency theme in the middle. That is a long episode, and now we're preparing for our first combination of all three, and it comes in the order one, two, three, from top to bottom. Here it is. Triple fugue. Now he juggles. Three, one, two. You hear two, the middle, the bouncy theme on the bottom now. Now he juggles again. Two, three, one. Bouncy theme on top. Another episode. Pedal point. And now, three, two, one. On the, on the bottom and our art fugue theme up top the bounce theme in the middle that's three two one from top to bottom this little last segment of joy up in the top voice little cadenza you think it's over but he's got one more for you one two three top to bottom there it is the art of fugue theme in the bass masterpiece. What a masterpiece.
It's the one and only Kenneth Gilbert, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. You are listening to the WTF Bach Podcast. We have a brand new podcast. We want to hear from you. Got suggestions? You want a specific piece of Bach analyzed by Evan? Just for you. You can write to us. You want to partner with us? Write us at the WTF Bach Podcast. Send us a donation on Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal. WTF Bach. Help keep this podcast alive. Support us. Find the links in the episode description. What a, what a great day to be listening to WTF Bach. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.
Nomad Jams, the Alamon. Like it's La Fan du Monde. You're not there. You're not supposed to just, just disappear like this. 